You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, so this is Fundamentals of the Talmud, and we were dealing with a piece of the Talmud from Daftazayin Amidalev. I made the point yesterday about... You know, when you when you when you're confronted with a, a Mishnah uh, page, and here's the Mishnah, and I didn't do anything before, what what are you supposed to do in terms of figuring out where you are? So I just want to uh, indicate that that Mishnah that we were looking at, if, if you take a look at the Mishnayos, and this is the Mahon Mamre page, and you can see these are the Mishnayos of uh, Masechtas Brachos, and you can see that this is the first parak has its nine Mishnayos, second parak has its second ones. And our Mishnah, which we saw on the Gemara page, was actually this Mishnah, Mishnah Bay's, uh, Perak Bay's Mishnah Dalit. Um, and, and, and I mentioned, and, and actually, if you saw what I did yesterday, I read the first line of the Mishnah, and then I said, well, we're not going to read the second part. And you can see that in the original Mishnayot, and again, it's hard to know what the original was, but in many editions of the Mishnayot, the way, especially the way they've been published lately, and, and even going back, they were actually two different Mishnayot. And, hmm. and, 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 and many times, you like, well, what is that doing here together? It really, it's a related idea, but it really needs to be looked at separately. So this Mishnah was a complete Mishnah that we did yesterday about the Umnin, Korin Barosha Ilon of Rosh Nadvach, and I also just want to show you that if you look at the Mishnayas from the beginning of Brochos, the first one, of course, is about when do you start Kriya Shema. Uh, and then you have um, when do you do Kriya Shema in the morning. And then we have what is the proper body position of Kriya Shema. Uh, and, and you can see this, Perak Aleph Mishnavov. And uh, and this is going to be relevant, so I'm just going to repeat one aspect of it. Beitilo Omrim Kolodim Korin Kedarkon, that you, you, no matter how you are situated, you you do Kriyachma, no matter what your body position is. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the page that we're studying. And then um, the end of the first parak deals with the brochos of Kriyachma. And what is also an extension of Kriya Shema, which is the mentioning of Itzias Mitzrayim. So that's, a, like I said, a very compact, putting the subject properly one step in front of the other. The second parak, where our Mishnah um, uh, is found, is also goes into the details, the details of what are the differences in the first section, the second section, um, we also have a, a description here about uh, uh, having of concentrating, and we're going to get back to that a little bit in our Gemara. And then we have: Do you need to? Do you need to listen? Do you need to actually hear the words that you're saying? And then our Mishnah, the one that we did yesterday. And 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 I'm and my point was: It's the first Mishnah that mentions Tefillah. It's the first Mishnah that mentions about Tefillah. If you look in the Mishnayot. Up until this point, it's all about Kriyachma. At this point, Tfila gets mentioned. And then, as I said, in the third parak, although I didn't say it exactly properly yesterday, then we start getting into 
Kriyat Shema, but then Tefillah ends up becoming a little more, becomes more prominent. And you can see here in Paragimel Mishnah Gimel, Noshim Vavonim Ktanim are Potter from Kriyat Shema, but Chayev B'Tefillah. And then you have the last part of, of, of Paragimel, dealing with Balkari, people who are in a situation where there might be a rabbinic enactment for them not to be davening, not to be saying Kriyashma. And and that's where, again, we have differences between the Brochot, and then we, uh, Berchot HaMozons gets mentioned for the first time. And then the next Mishnah in the third parak there talks about a Balkari in Tefillah. So it's really from our Mishnah we start inserting tefillah. Although the the the, the Gemaras and the Agadatas of the Gemaras, even in the first parak of Brochos, talked about tefillah. In terms of the Mishnah structure, this is really the first time tefillah uh, becomes prominent. It be, it becomes uh, it can, it, its prominence grows as the Mishnayas continue, and then it, it, it bursts full force. Once we have here uh, in the fourth parak, where you know you don't even talk about Kriyashma at all, as I said, in the fifth parak, also totally about tefillah, and then again, as I mentioned, the, the 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 so a lot of times it's actually worthwhile to step back and look at the Mishnayas again to see you know what subject matters are being discussed and why. Um, the Talmud is not, as you know. A, a commentary on the Mishnah. It's a discussion about what was interesting, perhaps, about the Mishnah, but not a commentary in any way. So if people who are uh, are asked, what's the Mishnah? What's the Talmud? The Talmud is not a commentary on the Mishnah. There, You could definitely use the Talmud to explain a lot of things in the Mishnah, but uh, many times there are statements in the Mishnah that are, that are wow, mind-blowing. That's an incredible point, and the, and the Talmud really ignores it because it's more interested in something else, and it's, that's, that is the nature of the beast of what learning, a part of what fundamentals of the Talmud is, is realizing, yes, the Mishnah is crucial, but the Talmud is really not, its job is not to explain everything in the Mishnah, and people who tell you that, they, they haven't learned Gemara, <laughs> haven't really learned Talmud enough. Okay, so here we go. Um, so we're back here where we were yesterday. Uh, and what we saw yesterday, just to recap, we saw the Mishnah, and yeah, there was the, that that first, as we saw in what I just showed you from Machon Mamre, um, the Mishnah, and it goes to Chatan Potter Mikriyashma. That's it. Tefillah is different. And then we saw the Gemara. Which quoted a Brita. Now I mentioned uh, in the Mishnah it says you can't do this bitfila. You cannot do tfila standing up on top of a tree or a nadvach. And the reason that we were speculating was was because and Rashi uh, told us that I'm going to get rid of uh, this so we can take a look at the Rashi again. As Rashi said, the reason was that. Because uh, how dare you? Tefillah is all about kavana. This is the opposite of kavana here. We know what's really in your mind. We know that you're doing a balancing act, and we know that there, you just can't have kavana here, and you can't turn your tefillah into a joke. 
which didn't mean that you don't daven. This is what we were wondering yesterday. Does that mean you don't daven if you're at work? Or that you daven at three in the afternoon? Or you daven like you were saying, Sheila, when you have your, when you have your break? Well, again, we weren't 100% sure. But the words of the Mishnah indicated, don't do this for davening. And there was, I think, an implication that you should daven in a more normal situation. And that really was uh, corroborated by the Brita that we started yesterday. Again, Tana Rabbonon, Tafresh is the Rashi Tevis of the Brita. Ha'umnin kairin barosh ha'ila, barosh ha'nidvach. That's that's where they're, <laughs> that's where they're, you can tell the cousins have the same exact forehead and the same smile. And here's where it, it differs a little bit. Umetpa'un barosh ha'zayit u'barosh ha'ta'ena. Instead of the Mishnah that says, you better go down and daven, the Brita says, oh, there are certain types of trees where you can do your tefillah. And that is, and we talked about yesterday why these trees are different. That's the uh, the olive tree. The olive tree and the and the fig tree. And Rashi said that the, somebody yesterday, Henoch said that it was perhaps they're smaller and you're not, you're not scared. Rashi said it had to do with the fact that they, their, their branches were wider and you could really stand on those branches in, in, in a much easier way. But shar kolilonot yordim lamatu metpalin. So, or mispalin. So that, that line here, this line right here, you see it? Shar kolilonot yordim. That line clearly indicates that you that the Brita, and I'm going to assume its cousin the Mishnah meant the same thing. You do daven even at work, and you're expected, and the boss needs to know that that you do you he can't expect you to um, completely obviate and say, I'm not going through the motions of, I'm not doing my service to God. He needs to allow you to go down and you have to make accommodations in this way to allow you to go down and do what proper tefillah is. Um, Okay. And that shows you, you go down from the tree. We know it's going to take time and that's what you have to do. And the boss needs to realize that. And and, and then the Brita mentions the boss, which the Mishnah didn't. Let's see that. Ubalabayit. What about the Balabayit? And I mentioned, like, he's, you know, he's he, he's gung-ho to get the work done. Benkach, benkach, yoreid lamata umitpalil. The Balabayit, whatever the situation is, meaning benkach, benkach is a, is a typical Gemara word. It usually refers to something that was mentioned earlier. So, Again, I know, Sheila, you know what it means, and I know what it means, but, but we're trying to uh, present this for anybody who, who might be listening here. If we go back to the bright, that we could figure out what the Benkach or Benkach is. Let's go to the bright again, and again, we'll figure it out. So the Benkach or Benkach, Meaning this or that can only be different types of trees. Benkach benkach, whatever type of tree it is. Meaning whether it's an olive tree or an apple tree. An apple tree normally demands uh, a worker, you got to go down and dive it. And the boss needs to know that. 
an olive tree, the work, the boss can insist you stay up on that olive tree and do your, and do your davening there. It's, it's, it's strong enough. It'll hold you. I, getting down and going back up is 20, 30 minutes of, of work lost by doing that. So that's the Benkach, Benkach. The Balabayit, even though, in a way, he says, I got work to do. This is my job. My job is, I'm a lumberjack. My job is, you know, I own this olive grove. I'm invested in this. This is my Parnassah. This is my Parnassah. But the Balabayit can't use Parnassah as an excuse on this. The Balabayit is a Jew who, who, is, who is committed Balabayas is a Jew who's committed for uh, for to do tefillot to do mitzvot. So the Balabayit benkach u benkach yored lamata u The Balabayit needs to, to, in order to fulfill his halachic responsibility, he needs to descend and do tefillah no matter what. He can't say, "I can daven on top of a olive tree." No, you're you're the owner. In other words, and this is really a this is the paradox. So I'll talk about the paradox in a second. But since he's the owner, and we know lefi she'ain daito miyushevet alav, his mind is not going to be uh, centered. His mind is not going to be at ease. He has a sense of. This uh, 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 there's a there's a sense of a lack of ease that the balabayit has. Now, that statement, if you just see it by itself, would seem to be a problem with everybody. Well, well let's think about it again. Is it the balabayit? Is he more uptight than everyone else? You could interpret it that way. Sometimes the balabayit, who's mostly invested, he's the one who needs the, the quietest place to daven, but. I think that's really a more modern perspective. I think if you're Rashi or anybody reading this in, in the medieval era or anyone saying, hmm, did you just you just said that, that davening needs dat miushav. You need to have, you need to be settled. You need to know what you're doing. You need to imagine God's there. And you have to be able to make your case properly uh, about what you need from God and, and, and what's essential for you. So that you need dot miyushav. Well, if, if you need dot miyushav, if that's true, ain daito miyushav. If you're uh, if you're in a tree or doing work in a semi-dangerous place, then if that's true, ain daito miyushav. Then how can we expect workers to daven uh, on the olive tree and in the in the fig tree? So that's that is Rashi's point. Rashi actually expects you to have that question. So let's look at the Rashi. And it's right here. Lafisha ain daito miyushevet alav. Let's take a look at at, at the uh, Rashi. Lafisha ain daito miyushevet alav. Why is he not miyushav. So Rashi tells you in the very first word, it's not because I'm such a, you know, angry cuss, I'm always worried about losing money. No. His dot is not miyushav, like Rashi had explained earlier. And Rashi using the Aramaic word for being scared, 
his 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 fear, his fear and worry, not his uh, concern over money, his fear, the fear of falling. So now Rashi has a problem, which it should have been it should have been all of our problems, which is okay. Did you just say the Balabos? The the Bryce is telling you that if you this is your field and your field and you and not only is it your field of work you physically own the darn real field and you are a uh, a person who's supposed to be working and and you own the field you hire the workers this is your business and you, and you're out, out there with them showing these hired workers about how it's done even though some of them are, are experts and, and maybe you hire them because they're experts and they know how to stand, they know how to cut, and, and you're out there with them, why is it that you have to go down and daven? Because you're scared. But what about them? So here comes the principle that I was, you know, trumpeting yesterday in Rashi. Let's take a look. V'im heikilu. And if it's true, heikilu. Hekilu comes from the Lashon Kal, which means something that is what? Something that is lenient. The Vav at the end of the word means them. If they were lenient, the them is the rabbis. If they were lenient, Eitzel Poalim, which as you're going to see, is really not the word that the Mishnah uses. The Mishnah Bright uses Umnin, Umnin, but Rashi changes it here to poalim. Poalim is <laughs> it's not an uman. Again, it's a, it's a rectangle and square thing. Not every uh, not every poel is an uman, but every uman that you're hired is a poel. Uh, he might you might he might charge more money because of his expertise, but he's meant to provide work for you. He's a poel. You pay him for his work. That's a relationship that the Rabbanan, that the rabbis, that society and the rabbis applaud, understand, and recognize that they need to bend and be more elastic in terms of halachic requirements when the halachic requirements of what they expect, let's say in this case, men to do every day, comes into conflict with their job, which is also part of society that we know exists and we realize can, we can't throw it out. So, but what do we do? If you're a poel and you have this job and this is what's going to provide food and this is going to provide for the economy, we do a kula, hikilu. We're meiko by poelim, mipnei bitul melacha, because we, we've got to strike a balance. So, if it's a if it's a day if it's an olive tree and a fig tree, like Rashi said before, we did it yesterday. Anfeim merubim v'yecholm la'amod sham shelo bedochek ve'ain sham pachad lipo. You don't have pachad. <laughs> In other words, you can stand there pretty good, and you don't have pachad. The other trees. Pachad rains. <laughs> the other trees, the apple tree, the normal person has pachad. Here there's no pachad, but you're still worried about falling. So without pachad, which is, I guess, a stronger term, we're going to bend the rules and say, okay, you daven up there, 
we don't think there's real pachad if we would tell you to go down and daven. So the olive, the olive workers, even if they're experts, so to speak, um, who are uh, up there, whatever their job is, we're going to tell them to stay up there because of bitul melacha. And that's where you have the thing that I was making a big deal about yesterday. Chazal saying, yes, we want melacha to go on. We feel that you need this relationship. We applaud this relationship. We're going to make a, we're, go, we're going to make a kula. We're going to uh, make a, uh, an arrangement for it to work. However, lohikilu, they don't give that same leniency. Lohikilu, Eitzel Balabayit. By the Balabayit, we don't give that. Eitzel, by the Balabayit, we don't give that leniency. Meaning, we know that you need the money. Otherwise, maybe you wouldn't start this business. But that Hetter is a slippery slope that ends up with the guy never doing any mitzvahs. Okay, this is my job. Okay, look. We respect the, the people you hired. They're working for you. They're stealing from you if they're if they're slacking on the job. But, but a bala boss, hey, you know, don't every bala boss is going to say it's a. I need to do this every second. Otherwise, otherwise I won't be able to pay for anything. Otherwise, I've lost my business. Where there's a real relationship that's that we understand, that we understand its terms. The workers that are hired, there the rabbis can say, okay, we're going to let you daven up there. But on a bala bus, look, if he's involved in saving lives, that's something else. But here it's about his money, his life. We say, look, go and daven, all right? Don't start davening up in the trees. I don't care if it's it's it's, it's a very steady tree. We know that that's not a place to, for you to be davening. Now, we're not necessarily saying you have to go about going to shul, meaning going to a minion is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about doing the tefillah. And that's what we say, the balabayas, whatever the situation is, you go down and daven because we know that this isn't the place that you're supposed to be davening. This isn't a, a place that people, people have a sense of that, that fear of falling that's, part, that's coursing through their consciousness. And therefore, there's no heter, there's no kula for the balabas. Okay? So that's, that's, this is what just, I haven't done anything. All I've done here is re- read the Gemara and read the Rashi, but I think bring out uh, that point that I was trying to make uh, perhaps a little bit um, less successfully yesterday. Okay? Now, um, And it definitely raises a good point, which is uh, uh, a point that's probably uh, much truer today than it was in the time of the Mishnah. Um, and that is, of course, that the owner is more concerned about the about his workers and really should want them uh, to be as careful and safe as possible. Um, on the other hand, uh, if to, to answer your point, Hanach, if he is worried about them, he can actually say, guys, come down. I don't want you davening up there because, you know, when you daven, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not totally uh, concentrating on what you're doing, even though it's an olive tree. I want you down here. 
I don't want to have to be, I don't want to have to pay expenses. And this is really something which you, you're raising a good point, Anach, and, and I'm going to make a, a large point out of it, which is the Mishnah is giving us the, 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 the basic outline that a, 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 any owner needs to submit to. If you want to, ch- if the owner wants to be more, um, more sensitive and more accommodating, he can. If the owner actually wants to go beyond what the Mishnah allows and says, I, I don't want to take any chances, I want all tefillah and, 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 and Kriyat Shema to be down on the ground, he could do that. And, and, and we will probably say, yay, you're a good guy <laughs> for doing that. But this is the minimum and I, I, what I would say is, is that if you get, if you were living in the time of the Mishnah and you were getting hired by a religious person, you could point to this Mishnah and say, you've got to let us go down, Mr. Jones, to, to Davin, as the Mishnah says. That's the rule of the Mishnah. Don't you want to live your law, your, your life, uh, your halachic life according to the Mishnah? And he would have to submit. Of course, he could, he could be even, more accommodating if you'd want to, and, and we would probably be happy with that. But this is the bare bones that we expect. And you could use this Mishnah if you were working uh, among the, the uh, for a from person and say, these are my rights. The Mishnah spelled them out. And that's why it was very important. Okay. Now, that's the Mishnah and the Brisa. Now we have something which I, I think you're going to find very interesting. I'm uh, Bachi's not here, but I have talked to her about an element of this subject before, and you'll see what I mean. Okay. Rummy lay. Rummy. That's a good game to play, especially, I guess, if you've uh, been in lockdown and you're running out of stuff to do. You can play gin rummy. But that's not what rummy means here. Rummy means, comes from the word ram, which is to lift up. Hi. Melech keo ram, Venisa. Rummy means to lift up and to show it as an issue. Um, it's like, hey, I've got this. I'm lifting this up. I'm lifting this point up, and I think it's a challenge. It's got horns on it. It's going to bash something in a minute because there's a problem here. Rummy, right? That That's what rummy is. Rummy is to something gets prominent and is being presented as an issue. That's what rummy means. Okay, what's, okay so something is going to about to be lifted up and presented as a challenge. Who did it? Rummy lay. It was lifted up to him. Well, who did the lifting? Rummy lay. Who did that lifting starting to present this challenge? It was Rav Murray. Okay. It's Murray, right? Rav Murray, the son of the daughter of Shmuel. That's the famous Shmuel himself. Rav Murray, the daughter, the son of Shmuel. So he's Shmuel's grandson, Murray is. Okay. And through Shmuel's daughter. Who did he do this rummy to? He did it to Rava, who was the God of Ador. 
So again, Shmuel is gone already. Shmuel has died. But Shmuel's grandson is asking a question to the great Rosh Hashiva, Rava. Okay? The Rosh of Pumpadisa, Rava. He's asking him a question. What's his question? He's saying, look, I've got this Mishnah which is problematic. And I'll show you why. It's, there's, well, why? Tanan, our Mishnah. That's our Mishnah. Okay, Rami, what do you want? You're holding it up? What's your point? So Rami said, I'm sorry, Murray said, uh, Murray said to to Rava, don't you see, Rabbi? Alma. Alma means, we had Dilma yesterday, this is Alma. Alma means, can't we say, can't we imply, isn't the implication, that's what Alma means, so this is a key Gemara word to underline. Does that underline it? No, that puts an X in it. I don't like that. <laughs> but anyway, it's like a, it's, it's almost like an underline. <laughs> Somewhere here. Okay. Oh, I don't want that. So Alma, low boy Kavana. You see, you don't need Kavana. What don't you need Kavana for? For Kriyachma, right? That's what Mari was saying. Because, look, we told the guy to Davin to go down. But Kriyachma, we said, stay, do it up there. That means you don't need Kavana. You don't need to concentrate. You don't need to center, like Kivun, which is to, to, to have a path that's centered towards something. You don't need to have that centered thoughts when it comes to Kriyachma. Because Tvila, we send you down. Lo boy kavana. In fact, before we move on, even the Braita that we that we mentioned in the beginning of today's class, it doesn't mention anything about Kriyashma for the Balabayat. It says the Balabayat needs to go down and Davin, because Ain Daitom Yushevatalav, it also seems to indicate that Kriyashma the Balabayat can do up in the trees if that's where he's working uh, along with his with, with, with the people that he hired. So once again, it, say, it seems like Kriyachma doesn't need Kavana. Okay. And now comes the question. Viraminhi. I've lifted this up. Now I'm going to lift something else up. Again, with the word Rami, the Shorish Rami. I'm going to lift this up, Rami Nihi, I'm, or, or is sometimes called Raminu, means they did it. Raminu means I. I'm going to now connect another thing. So I, I always see this like, like my imagery of this is like, uh, you know, you have these two um, giant uh, rams, uh, like in the, in the mountains, these mountain rams that are, that are, putting horns against each other. It's like, you know, and they're locking horns. Bomb, bomb, bomb. This is this is like they're both this seems to go against. Ramini, I've got a contradiction. Art scroll might translate it. And here's a but but that's the idea. It's like I've got I I'm giving this prominence and this prominence and now they're banging against each other. Okay, what's the other bright uh, that's gonna be banging against this? It says Hakore Shema Tzorech, when you read Shema, Tzorech she'yachavin et libo. You need to get your heart centered, your heart, your mind, your thoughts, 
How do you know? Because that's what you're saying, Shanemar. As the words say, Shema Yisrael. You're talking to the whole Jewish people. You're talking to, to, to yourself as part, as the Maral explains, in the Nesivas, in his Sefer. I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's called Nesivas Olam, the Sefer, the Maral, beautiful Sefer, where he says, what does Shema Yisrael mean? You, you're talking to the whole Jewish people that you're part of, and you are, and, and you are trying to concentrate with them. Shema Yisrael. And how do you know that means concentration? Because Halan Omer, the Brighta says, later, Halan means later, or in another section of the Torah, where that is, you can see up here. Number two. That is actually uh, later in the Torah. It says towards, uh, right? This is Parshas Nitzavim, I believe. Haskate means quiet, concentrate, listen. Haskate Ushma. So here you see that Haskate and Shema go together. So that shows you that Shema isn't just about listen, Israel. No, not listen. Concentrate. Have it be in the central part of you, absorb this. This is something you need to really think about. You need to really accept it. Haskate Ushma Yisrael. So Mal Halan, just as you see there in Paraklav Zion, the Brisa says, Shema means concentration, understanding. Afkan, where the first in Parshas Vetchanan, where it says Shema Yisrael, it's Pahaskate. Now, how are you going to have Haskate on top of the, on, on the tree? You need Kavanah. So this seems to be a contradiction between this Mishnah and this Braita. And this Braita seems to be so logical. Shema, Haskate. That's what Shema is. Now, that was his question to the Rosh Hashiva Rova. And then what happened? This is a word that shows up in Shas a number of times when two people speak with each other. And maybe it's the type of thing that should show up all the time when people speak with each other before people respond. Ishtik, from the word shatak, ishtik. He became quiet. He didn't have an answer. Rava was sort of, you could say Rava was stumped. But Rava did, Rava did not answer the question. Ishtik. Now, again, the Talmud, as I said, is a record of discussions, hundreds, thousands of discussions. A very small percentage have this type of dynamic. The question is raised, and the Rebbe was quiet. The Rebbe didn't respond. Whoever wrote the, put the Talmud together, wanted us to realize there's something going on here. Because you're going to see in a minute, Rava does have an answer. But that answer did not issue forth immediately. The initial response to this contradiction was quiet. I don't know. You've got me. I don't have an answer. Now, 
the Talmud sometimes analyzes why people are quiet. The Gemara says in a number of places that Rav was uh, stumped or seemingly stumped by Rav Khan and Rav Asi, who were his younger students. So the Gemara says, Ishtik Rav. And the Gemara then will say, why was he Ishtik? There's an easy answer. So the Gemara will sometimes say, sometimes Rav, that was Rav himself, was quiet because he didn't want to, he didn't want to bother with answering them. Uh, he felt they could figure it out on their own, or he didn't think they would be willing to accept what he had to say. He wanted them. So the ishtik is always, to me, interesting. Sometimes it means, boy, you got me with that question. I don't even have a good answer to that. Sometimes it means I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> but there's definitely something that happened here. And 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 poor Mari, um, Mari says, when he doesn't get an answer, then you have these two these these two letters, which of course are Rashi Tevis for what? Aleph Lamed, Rashi Tevis for Omar Lay. Omar Lay. He said to him again, You didn't give me an answer? Okay, I, I, I asked this big question, I know, with the drum roll, and I have this contradiction. Our Mishnah says Kriyashma doesn't need Kavana. This Brahita says Kriyashma does need Kavana. Then he said, okay, you're not giving me an answer. Mide shmiya lecha baha. Mide, something. That's what mide means. Something. Shmiya lecha. <laughs> Again, we're talking about shma, so it might be a play on words. Shmiya lecha. Did you hear something? Did you comprehend anything? Baha, something. I know you don't have, like, you, you don't have an original answer from me, but... You're Rava. You're the Rosh Hashim. Did you hear something about this? I mean, do you have some information for me? <laughs> so, you know, you're not getting an answer. Okay, is there something you could say? You know, they say that, you know, Ed Koch was the mayor of New York. And, um, you know, he knew that he, as the mayor or as he was a candidate, right after he became mayor, it was important for him to meet with the, uh, with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, so they told him how wise Lubavitcher Rebbe was. They told him that he's going to get some sagacious advice from the Rebbe about uh, so much about how he could be an effective mayor and be involved with people. And um, so Koch, uh, they arranged for him to sit there. He went into the Rebbe's uh, apartment, the Rebbe's in, the, in 770, and he sat there, and Koch started to talk. And you know, if you remember Ed Koch, uh, I know Hen- I know Henoch does, and maybe Sheila, maybe you remember Ed Koch as well. The man didn't stop talking, and he was talking, and the Rebbe looked at him and did not say a word. <laughs> the Rebbe a spoke to him. He was there. The Rebbe refused to speak with him at all. Uh, when Koch came out, uh, many of the Rebbe's advisors and others, <laughs> that's right, how am I doing? That, that's what he would say to people on the street. He came out of there and they said, isn't he wise? And the Rebbe, and Koch said, yes, he's, in, he's incredible. And Koch wrote about this later in his biography, you know, because he, he didn't want to say the man didn't say anything. But that's sort of what happened over here, you know. Um, 
you know, uh, Rav Mari is sort of like Ed Koch. He's saying, tell me something. Come on. You have something to say? So he said, Amar Le. So Rava answers him. He says, Chachi Amar Rav Sheshis. This is what Rav Sheshis said. I don't, it's not my original. It's Rav Sheshis from a generation or two before me. Okay. What did Rav Sheshis say? He said the following. You put quotation marks here. I don't know if I could write them in with the, but you would put quotation marks. Rav Sheshis says, who vikorin. That when our Mishnah says, I'm not sure what this means. Copy the text. I don't want to edit it. But who should When the Mishnah, our Mishnah said, or the Brita, the Mishnah said, let them say Shema on top of the tree. That means not while they're working. In other words, Mari, you thought there's no kavona possible. Well, if you stop working, Rav Sheshis, as Rav Sheshis said, then may, then you could have kavona. Your question seems to be a strong one if you assume that they're, that while they are working on the tree, while they are cutting, while they're up there and measuring whatever the job you have them doing there on the, uh, uh, on the lattice work, or where the bricks are, they say Shema, but they say Shema when they stop to work. They stop working and then they say Kriyat Shema. That's what it means. They've, they stop working. Okay? So, and since they've stopped working, that doesn't mean you can have Haskes even when you stop to work. Now again, we talked here about the idea of the fear that's that that's in, in, in their subconscious, the fear of possibly falling, and maybe that's the reason why Rav is not so happy with it. Rav just said, "I know what Rav Sheish said. Rav said they stop working. Maybe that's that's the beginning of an answer for you, because, and then we this is, gets into what we were talking yesterday. Kriyat Shema is different than Tefillah, and you could have Kavana." Of course, you shouldn't be measuring something and saying Kriyashma at the same moment. You shouldn't be picking the apple and getting it into the sack while you're saying Kriyashma. But the fact that you're up there at a high spot, which has that element of danger, is uh, you can say Kriyashma even in such a situation, and that could that could qualify as Kavana. So that is what Rav's answer was to Rav Mari. The fact that he didn't suggest it as his own answer says to me that it's not exactly the best answer. But that's Isn't there still the question? It seems like it really didn't answer <laughs> Rav Mari's question at all. It's because isn't it obvious that you have to stop momentarily to say the at least the first pasuk of Shema, and then you would have to. The question is: is what's the requisite amount? Obviously, tefillah requires more 
concentration than just the first pusik, right? Right. So that that could be part of the answer, Sheila. That Murray assumed. You could say Murray assumed that the the guy kept on working. You could also assume. You could also say that Murray thought that even if he stops working. What what is coursing in his in his in his mind is the fear of falling, which is therefore um, eating away at what real concentration is, right? Um, but both of those points, Sheila, I think, can be lessened by the amount of time, because as you say, if Kriya right. if Kriyashma takes less time. Because there's less to say, and if, if it's going to be only, let's say, and the Gemara is going to actually talk about this in a minute, how much of what of the Kriyashma are we talking about? But even if we're talking about the, the seven or eight psukim that are the first parsha of Kriyashma, that because it's a smaller amount of words to say, you could summon up the requisite concentration and push away your fears for the amount of time it takes to say that. Clearly, if it's only the word, that could be done. But even if, as we're going to see in a couple of minutes, or maybe tomorrow, that it's, 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 it's the whole first paragraph, well, that's a lot less than 19 paragraphs. And on top of that, I'm going to add the whole... Go ahead, Sheila. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I said, and then the question would be, why couldn't the Baal, the Baalabais do that too? Why, why, did, the... why does he have to come down? Why can't he stay up for Shema? He, he, we learned that he could stay up for Shema, but he has to come down for Tefillah, or what, which was it? I, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, 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 both the Mishnah and the Brayta both indicated that the worker, the Baalabayat, they can do their Shema up there. Okay? Right. And, but and, they have to come down for Tzvila. So, so it seems like the answer for one will be the answer for the other. If we're going to say Kriya Shema okay. is shorter, and, 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 and there's another thing which Rashi implied yesterday. Rachme Ninu. It's got to be intense and personal. Kriya Shema is, is personal, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the intensity of this is my life. I've got a sick child. I, I can't pay my money. I, 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 I'm struggling with being able to concentrate and learn. I'm struggling. Again, whatever your tzara is, that needs more concentration, I think, than the esoteric, you know, you know, acceptance and of God as the creator. You need more kavana. I think that's what Rashi was saying, because it's Rachme, Ninu. You know, that was the Rashi we did yesterday. That Right, but you could almost say it's almost the opposite, because it's more visceral for you, more real to you, your your need, than the theoretical. Right, I agree. I agree. I think for our age, you're correct. <laughs> I think in the, in the Mishnah's age, especially... <laughs> It's a right, so, 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 
Henoch, you're right. You're going to see Beis Hillel's opinion is coming up in a minute that you can you can actually do Kriyashma when you're walking and other stuff like that as well. So you are going to we, we are going to get to that in a second in the very next line what what Henoch is is referring to. But 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 I think Rashi implied something. But you're right. Sort of it goes counter to what we think. In other words, to us. Everybody's ready, you know. You know, call Doctor Phil and tell him what's wrong. Everybody can call up and 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 spill their guts about what's the problem. But to actually step back and think about uh, an omniscient being that has that 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 is the the creator of the universe and 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 created everything from nothing, and that he's my king. We see that as something that needs a lot more ability to step back and concentrate for, right? Um, I, I think what you're seeing here is from, from the Rashi that, no, this is uh, the, the personal prayers in front of the judge. I see it more like um, if you have to appear in front of the judge to argue your ticket uh, or whatever it was or, or, or a false arrest, you would need to be concentrating like anything on reading the judge's body language and, and, and measuring your words. I, I think that would need a lot more of, of get it together. You, you can't be distracted, you know, uh, and, and that's what I think when we say Rachme Nino, you know, you're davening for your life. These are the words that are so crucial to say, and I think that, that that is something which I think would still be hold true today. I wanted to get to one other thing here, um, which I guess we're going to leave for tomorrow, which is the unique description of this Amora, Mari, the son of the daughter of Shmuel. And Rashi thinks you have a problem with this as well. Because Rashi says, why don't we just say Mari, Bar, whoever his dad was, right? What do we say? Murray, the son of Shmuel's daughter. What's going on with that? So I just want to leave with the tease for for this. Rashi says, Rashi says here, Become a Makomot, Karile Barrochel. In many places in Shas, we can find Murray, and we know his mother's name. He was Murray Barrochel. Either way, Where's dad? So Rashi says, Bat Shmuel Haita. She was Shmuel's daughter. Yeah, I get that. And what happened to her? Nishbeit lebeina amim. Kidomer biktuvot. Nishbeit lebeina amim. She was captured. This was a problem. A tremendous problem in the time of the Mishnah and the Gemara. Women, Jewish women, we know from Sari Menu down, People have their eyes on them, and women were, were were goods that were captured to become to become slaves, sex slaves. <laughs> That's this was a common common occurrence. And Shmuel, the great Amora, three of his daughters were captured and were taken away by by by, by Goyim, as the Gemara says in Ksuvis. And and one of uh, this girl, um, Rachel, was actually uh, one of the one of her captors had relations with her. 
a rape. She submitted. The, the Gemara speaks about the other two, if they were actually, the Gemara talks about how they were, they actually were very wise and they came into the base medrash. You can look at that at a different time. But, but Rachel was actually, uh, was, was, Again, I don't think she submitted willfully to this to this guy, and she got pregnant from this guy. But then, this guy, the Acherkach Nizgayer. But then things changed, right? Just sort of a, a Dina story, right? It, what happened was he he became he he converted. In other words, he, 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 he captured this Jewish girl, the daughter of the most prominent rabbi, really, in the world almost at that time. And he impregnated her. And then he changed because of that. I, I'm, I'm just speculating why, but I assume that happened. And he became a convert. And he shows up in Shas. He is actually, he became an Amora. This rapist, this this pirate, and his name as a Jew was Isser. That was his name, right? It's, and again, I, I, there might be a play on words here, but we know this is a very common name, and especially among people Yiddish, right? Isser, right? Uh, Kirk Douglas's uh, uh, his his given name was Isser, right? Isser Denisovich. I think that was his name. So Isser. That was that was the father's name, Karamrinan Bibaba Basra. Rav Mori Bire, Rav Mori was the son of Isser, and Hirosai Shalobikdushahave. The the impregnating was done while he was still a, a non Jew. Lakach, Rashi says, he never gets called Mori Bar Isser, because he really wasn't Mori Bar Isser. He was Murray, the son of the biological man who eventually was called Isser. But Isser converted, right? The rapist, the pirate, was not Isser. And even though it was the same body and he has the same DNA from Isser, but Isser's not his father halachically, right? Isser is, Isser is, 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 is the gear. And although, you know, they're, they're, let's see. No. I wouldn't say was uh, would that be considered a monster because it's no no no. Well, the Gemara talks about that. There is a there is a tzad in the Gemara. Henech is correct. There's a tzad in the Gemara that if we don't paskin that way, that a, mm-hmm. a non-Jew is able to, uh, if a non-Jew imp, uh, impregnates a Jewish woman, there is an opinion that says the child is a monster. We don't paskin that way, mm-hmm. um, well, but there is such a, there is such a uh, an opinion. So it's interesting. Again, Rashi. He is a great teacher. Now, as Rashi is telling you, hey, you might be wondering, this is Brachos here, and, and this is the first time he appears in Shas, and you might wonder, this Murray, um, what's going on with him? How come his dad isn't there? And Rashi gives you this incredible story um, about his lineage. And, you know, I guess the, in a way, boy, it turned out great, didn't it? <laughs> here you had, um, again, well, I'm sure she wasn't happy getting... Uh, Getting uh, ca- becoming a captive, and I'm sure it was disgusting for her. But look what happened. We, we ended up with another Amora from the non-Jewish world, Isser, and he shows up and he's involved in learning. 
and his son. I'm sure they had a decent relationship. Uh, and uh, and throughout Shas, we actually refer to this. She's, she doesn't, unlike Dino, who sort of like, you know, lived in shame afterwards and, you know, Shimon had to marry her. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm going to even uh, suggest that Murray, that Isser probably lived with uh, with her afterwards as, as her Jewish husband at this point. And they had their kid that they had, you know, when uh, in the previous, before he had, uh, before he had converted. And, you know, that this was, this was a, a unique unit. Um, whether Murray gets treated any different because of that, I don't think so. <laughs> whether that has anything to do with the reason why Rava was, was hesitant, no. But it sure makes the story, it sure gives a, a it makes a, a lot more, it gives you a lot of different, a lot of spice of who's who. And that's, I think, why Talmud becomes fascinating, because it isn't just a bunch of names that are just uh, streaming down the screen. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 